0: Hey folks, welcome back to the Best You Podcast. This is Jeremy coaches <clears throat> aka Coach J. And I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, I bring in a, a special guest. Her name is Tina Schaffner. She's a doctor of physical therapy uh, in the Rochester Hills area. And her and I jive a little bit on the topic of um, well, a lot of things, movement, exercise, and pain, but we we dive really deep into l- low back pain and neck and shoulder pain, which she claims are some of the, the biggest, most common problems she's helping people with in her clinic. And I think that this episode will be applicable to, to a lot of you listening when it comes to how you can maneuver uh, or tweak your day-to-day habits when it comes to your sitting and your posture and how your body moves to help you uh, eliminate or at least drastically decrease the chance of you developing uh, any type of low back, chronic low back or neck or shoulder pain. And if you're someone who's having that kind of uh, that kind of pain in your day-to-day life, um, you may learn some tools and some tricks to, to help get out of that uh, or at least manage it a little bit better. So great episode today. Uh, Thank you to to Tina for coming on and sharing her her knowledge and insights. I really hope you enjoy this. As always, please, please consider subscribing uh, to the the podcast wherever you're listening to it. Uh, Leave me comments and reviews. And then most importantly, reach out if you have questions or if you have topics of interest that you'd like for us to dive into in future episodes. I would love to hear from you. So hit me up. All right. Enjoy the episode and we'll talk later. All right, Tina, what's going on? Not a lot. Awesome. Well, Good to welcome, be here. welcome to the Best You podcast, um, folks listening. I'm here with Miss uh, Tina Schaffner. She is a doctor of physical therapy at Neil King Physical Therapy. Um, you guys have nine locations. Nine
1: locations. About to open a tenth in Warren in the middle of this year.
0: Fantastic. And you're a clinic director of the Rochester Hills yes. clinic, correct? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So uh, I've known Tina now for a couple of years. She has helped several members that we work with here at Reviver. Um, she knows her stuff, and we're going to get into some cool topics that will hopefully help you uh, out with some of the, the daily aches and pains that you may or may not be feeling. And, but before we dive into that, Tina, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you're about, um, and all that good stuff.
1: No problem. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for inviting me here. It was definitely an honor to be invited. I appreciate it. Uh, I've been a physical therapist now for almost 16 years. I started at Providence Hospital over in Novi, and then a colleague of mine introduced me to Neil King. I was looking to make a change, and just over 10 years ago, I came to work for Neil King Physical Therapy, uh, mostly because just the change, he allows us to be physical therapists the way we were taught to be physical therapists. Um, I was trained, I originally did my undergraduate at U of M. Ann Arbor, decided that I liked U of M so much, I would travel up to Flint. Yes. Uh, and spend my next three years doing grad school in Flint at U of M, did get my PT, my doctorate there. Um, And then, like I said, worked for the hospital for a couple years, which was a great experience. Got to work in the acute care, see patients post-operatively, whether it was a neurologic issue or an orthopedic, whatever the case was, even just general medical. And then, like I said, came out to Neil King and really got exposed to a larger chronic pain population out there. Uh, since at Neil King, I've also gotten my OMPT, which is an orthopedic manual physical therapy certificate. It's a postgraduate certificate degree offered at Oakland University. Okay. I got that a couple of years ago. It allows for advanced diagnostics, uh, joint mobilizations, and just a higher level of thinking and functioning in the clinic. Um, more treatment availability options. Since then, I've also done pelvic floor. I've done public floor training. I've been trained in Pilates. So. I like to have my hands in a little bit of everything. Yeah, sounds yeah. like it. That's yeah. awesome.
0: What what do you like most about what you do? On a, on a day like the day-to-day of what you're doing and and working with people, what what do you enjoy most uh, about it?
1: I love problem solving. Okay. I enjoy the relationships with, that I build with the patients and the clients and they come in and they've got this issue, whatever the issue is, and I love trying to figure out how are we going to fix it? Like I'm a fixer. I like to solve problems and whether it's because i'm changing how they sit or changing how they walk or giving just alternative ideas of moving them giving them a different way to think about something Mm -hmm. and which oftentimes how we think about something changes how we react to it move um, and just giving options and so showing people different ways of using their body and moving their body and interacting with their environment i just i love the problem solving
0: That's awesome. And I think we were talking a little bit about that before we started recording. Just about reframing things and how you look at things definitely will impact, you know, how you go about living. And I think one of the biggest things that draws me to you is your dedication, call it, or just the way that your brain works when helping people that you don't, you're not just trying to fix the pain. You're trying to look at the causes of the pain. And helping people really stay away from ever having to work with you again, because you don't, and you've said many times in the conversations we've had that you don't want to have long-term care with people. You want to fix the problem and teach them on how to, you know, eliminate the problem and then send them on and hopefully they don't have to come back and see you.
1: Correct. Yeah. So I commonly will say, you know, my biggest job is to put myself out of business, yeah. which is bring patients in who've had problems and then get them back into life better than they were before. Sure. And inevitably, people will get injured. Of course. If you're moving and interacting with your environment and living your life, whether you're moving too much or moving too little, yep. anywhere on that spectrum, things happen. Mm-hmm. And so my goal is to build the relationships with the clients and say, hey, empower them to get back into their world. And then when stuff does happen, they think, oh, I can go see Tina and they can come back to the clinic and see me again. And usually, um, the patients come back quicker, which means I move them on quicker, like get them back into the world, you know, free them from the nest a little quicker.
0: Cool. Awesome. So with that said, we wanted to touch today a little bit on, you know, what are, let's narrow it down to if you had to the, like the top three, um, Chronic issues that you're helping people overcome in the the clinic. So, you know, we're not going to dive into like acute traumatic I, you know, busted my knee or had a replacement even though a replacement is generally caused from chronic stress Um, But some of the just the, the the common what are the top three common things you're helping people deal with right now? And then we'll dive a little bit into each of those and maybe how folks can can prevent themselves from dealing with that So top three most common things you're helping people with right now
1: so top three, if I had to list them, sure. and two of them kind of go hand in hand, yep. actually all three of them do, uh, neck pain, back pain, and shoulder pain. Okay. And so what I see a lot of times is clients will come in with back pain mm-hmm. and just through the conversation next thing you know they're telling me "Oh, I got neck pain or they came in for back pain and oh I've got neck pain as well mm-hmm. or I've got shoulder pain as well mm-hmm. those are the three because how the shoulder is intimately tied to the trunk mm-hmm. and the next tied to the low back and us walking they all kind of go hand in hand and so those are probably the three that I see most
0: if we said so back pain um, what percentage of people when if when they first come in and they talk about their complaint and their complaint is back pain? What percent are dealing with low back pain versus like mid or upper back pain?
1: Oh gosh, usually if it's low back pain, I would say ninety percent of them are coming in, and that's a you know just a general number. yes. Ninety percent are come, talking about low back pain. Low
0: back, so the majority is low. Majority, back. Okay. I
1: very rarely see people coming in with upper back pain. Okay. So we call that the thoracic spine. Sure, uh, that part is typically um lurking in the background, meaning they've got low back pain, but they have a very stiff upper back. And yes. so people aren't even aware of what's going in <laughs> on in that part of their back that yeah. could be contributing to the low back sure. pain or the neck pain. But I mean most of what I see it's probably more of sixty percent back pain and low back pain and forty percent neck pain. Okay. But upper back pain. That's not very often. No, not very often.
0: Now. So let's, let's, let's narrow in on low back pain for now. And let's say, you know, of the population that you're helping with that, what are some of the common, after you do some investigation, what are some of the common causes that you're finding that people are doing in their daily lives that are causing them to experience the low back pain that they have?
1: We sit way too much. Okay. So whether we're sitting driving to work, Mm -hmm. I hear the commutes are a lot longer. We're sitting at our desks all day. We're sitting in meetings. Um, A lot of times it's just a lot of sitting. And then that results in, quite frankly, our hips getting tight. Okay. And the hips don't move well. It results in the front of our abdomen, you know, the abdominal muscles and the hip flexors getting really tight and tense and bound up just from you know that static position all day long. Okay. And so that, those are the biggest things I see. And then what happens is they go from their car, they go from their work and they may go to their exercise programming. And without enough warm up or without enough awareness of the hip tension that's been caused all day long, maybe they don't pay enough attention to freeing that up and they go right into their exercise programming and then they may or may not run into a problem. Or they sit in the car, then they sit at work and then they go home and they sit. sit. Yeah. They sit some more. Yeah. And then on the weekends, it's like, woohoo, I don't have to sit now. So then they try to go out and they garden. And and it's, you know, the weekend warrior of life. They're not necessarily doing the crazy stuff. Crazy it's stuff. It's being just being active. Yeah. They're, they, or they try to go out and they shovel snow.
0: Yeah.
1: But they're, they haven't prepared their body yeah. in any way, shape, or form okay. to tolerate anything different than sitting.
0: Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Um, so other than sitting, are there any other big things that or is that pretty much the primary cause of most people's low back pain? I think
1: I think it's one of the big causes. Okay. Um people will come in and those I think that's the big one when people say, "Well, I don't really know what I did."
0: Yeah. Some people yeah.
1: will say, "Well, I hurt my back years ago and I've been dealing with it ever since." On and off, on and off. That's another big one. They say that they bent over at work and lifted something up or mm-hmm. they have one episode that they we call it a mechanism of injury, but one episode that happened maybe years ago and they attribute their back pain to that one issue and then they just call it flare-ups. I've had flare-ups over the years and I've done a little bit of this or I've done a little bit of that. You know, there's some specific causes. I have some women in the pelvic, you know, health area that have got female issues with endometriosis and things like that or um, maybe they've got prolapses and that, maybe the contributor. I've got, you know, Mm a subset of people who do have medically related issues that result in back pain, but for the most part, it's either people that just aren't, move, aren't moving and then they go shovel mm-hmm. or they are attributing it to a flare up of something that happened years and years mm-hmm.
0: ago. Okay. So let's face it. There are aspects of sitting that are inevitable, mm-hmm. right? We, I don't like to use the word have, like we have to do this or that because in most cases there are choices to do other things, but let's just, for the lack of saying something different, we have to drive to work. Most of us, we, we, we have to sit, whether it's at our desk or we're in a meeting or whatever. Um, You know, and at home, we, we could, we probably have more flexibility at home with what we could be doing, whether we choose to sit on the floor versus the couch or this or that. But what are some simple things people could be doing who normally, who are going from that lifestyle that you just talked about? They get up they literally spend 15 minutes getting ready, they get in the car and they sit for an hour, then they get to work, they sit for eight more hours, then they sit in their car for another hour, then they sit for a couple hours at home before they go to bed. What are some easy easy things that person can start to implement to reduce the negative effects of sitting?
1: So the number one thing that I usually start with is giving people alternatives to sitting, which I know sounds redundant, but a lot of times people ask me about the standing desks and I'm a big proponent of it. Okay. If you've got to drive to work, then when you get to work, if you have the capability of elevating your workspace, then the first 20 or 30 minutes of work should probably be done in standing. Okay. You could check your emails, you could check your voicemails. Instead of um, you know, emailing the person in the next office, walk over and talk to them. Sure. Or the person in the next cubicle, instead of calling them, take the two steps to walk around the cubicle, stand up and talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you could eat your lunch standing potentially. That's another good option mm-hmm. is if you're sitting all day, maybe your lunch break, part of it is just going for a walk. Right. I've got a lot of people who work in big buildings and they'll do stairs and walk around the floors during part of their lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they may actually eat their lunch back at their desk if that's an option. Mm-hmm. And then when you go home, yeah, you're right, driving, we can't stand and drive. Right. So there's nothing that we can do about that. There are things that you can do in your car, making sure that your car seat You know, you're not sitting with your hips really low from your knees and, you know, there are some modifications that you can make in the car to ease some of that. And then just when you go home, honestly, get on the floor and do some stretches on the floor. Instead of sitting on the couch and watching your television show, you could quite simply, you could stretch your hamstrings. Mm -hmm. You could stretch your hip flexors. Mm -hmm. You could stretch your glutes. And these are common stretches that can be Googled all Mm -hmm. over the place. Mm -hmm. Um... They're not, you know, rocket scientists, scientist moves, Mm -hmm. but just stretching and undoing and restoring the length in your trunk Mm -hmm. that got compressed all day long while you're watching television and really your kids see you doing it. And so they'll get on the floor and they'll do it with you. Yeah. Um, Or people who like to exercise, maybe you, instead of going home, you hit the place that you exercise after work so those are usually you know commonly stretching standing and fitting in just alternatives to what you're currently doing to not sit
0: perfect so yeah so biggest things i heard there for those of you that are sitting at a desk you know for long periods of time make it a point to you know stand up as much as you can even if it's just for a few minutes an hour um, just try to sit a little bit less today than you did yesterday uh, and that's a great place to start A,
1: a water bottle sorry to interrupt is a great thing to have at your desk too because if you're drinking, we don't drink enough water.
0: You go to the bathroom a lot. Correct. Yeah.
1: So if you drink more water, nature will call, yeah. and within you know, in two hours, you're, you're gonna probably going to have to get yeah. up, and you're going to have to walk to the bathroom and come back. And mm-hmm. so I usually recommend that people keep a twenty ounce water bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, some people like the sixty ounce ones. Well, you don't have to refill those as often. Sure. The twenty ounce water bottle, twenty or thirty ounce water bottle. You drink that, yeah. and then you either have to go to the bathroom or you need to refill your water bottle, mm-hmm. and those are both intrinsic ways of naturally increasing your movement in the day.
0: Love it. Um, okay, cool. So we talked a little bit about low back pain. I think you bring up, you know, some great points that you know I, I do think people are starting to become more and more educated of the negativity of, of sitting as much as we do, um, but I still don't think enough people are being proactive about getting up more often. So that's, that's great to touch on that. So let's, let's move up now a little bit more into, let's go, let's talk about the neck, right? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned neck pain is definitely another, and and knowing that the neck, shoulder, back, all this is most of the time it's intertwined. Um, But if we're talking about neck, what do you see are some of the biggest causes of the pain that people are dealing with, with their everyday neck pain?
1: With the everyday neck pain, it it does go back to sitting. And so while you can't Just because you sit all day doesn't mean you have to have neck pain. Yeah. So people who sit a lot, you may in fact get back pain and I see those tied. How you can take the neck out of the picture though is just appropriate seating. So uh, for example, the most biggest thing I say is turn the recline off your chair. So people's desk chairs, when they sit back and they're spring loaded and it reclines, it makes while their low back might be in great positioning because maybe it has good support through the low back and the pelvis the way you have to crane your neck to then see what you're doing in front of you is a big factor. So our head is the free point. We stand on our feet, we walk on our hips, but we're gonna make whatever changes through our support system that we need to to keep our eyes horizontal Mm -hmm. because that's where life is at. So things like um, turning the recline off your chair Mm -hmm. is a big one. Mm -hmm. Not using bifocals in front of the computer is another huge one. Uh, Typically, bifocals have the reading lens at the bottom of the, the reading portion at the bottom of the lens. So when you're looking down at a book, you're looking down through the bottom of the lens. But when you look straight ahead at the computer, you've got to tilt your head back and it changes the head position to look to read out the bottom of your glasses. So I usually will tell people who wear bifocals or trifocals or progressives. You should probably be in a reading glass when you're in front of the computer, uh-huh. uh, where you're holding your phone. You hear about text neck. You know, my son's in the car with me all the time and I will catch out of the side of my, his head's hanging from his trunk because he's addressing his phone. And I just reach over and I, I push his head back into the headrest and he knows that up oh, his elbows come up and now he uses his arms to hold the phone in front of him yeah, rather than him bringing his head down to the environment. Sure. And so those, those are the big ones mm-hmm. there and, um, that I see, just simple ones. Car seats, that's another one. The headrests tilt forward on cars. And so, for example, I can't wear a ponytail in my car because the ponytail hits the headrest and it pushes my head forward. Mm-hmm. If I'm a five-minute drive, that's fine. But if I'm on a two-hour drive... Not fine. Mm -hmm. So for women, a lot of times I say, you know, keep your ponytails low. I know that sounds silly, but if you're going to be on a car, long car drive, for that long, yeah, yes, don't do that. Or um, just a slight little bit of a recline to your seat when you're driving, so that your head barely grazes the headrest. There might be a paper's width of space. Mm -hmm. It's enough that you no longer feel like you need to pull your head away from the headrest and alter your head position.
0: Yeah, I know. For like, as you say that, for me, I notice because I do. I notice that my head is, I tend to lean forward with my head. So I'm always reminding myself to almost like tuck my chin a little bit and pull my head back. And so when I'm driving, I'll almost do the opposite where like, I'll try to remind myself to keep my head on the rest, which then keeps me from leaning forward away from it. Um. So same but different. Yeah. But the idea is just more being conscious of where is your head right. and how is it relating To your shoulders and your back because i think one of the biggest the biggest things is people doing exactly what you said about your son with the phone right is we are constantly looking down at our phone or looking down at our computers and that's just putting a ton of stress on the on the neck
1: right and whether it's neck or back pain a lot of times what i describe people is you think of your trunk like a cylinder and you want to maintain the front back and sides of the cylinder fairly symmetrical Mm -hmm. and lengthened So if you're in this slouched posture, all of a sudden your cylinder looks like elbow noodles, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And your head, once again, is the top of that noodle and it's gonna do whatever it needs to do to function in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, if you straighten that cylinder and you find the length that kinda comes from within us and not that your back will be straight, it'll still have curves in it. It's designed to to have curves, (laughs) it is spring. It's designed to be that way, but it's designed to be balanced. And so the soft tissue will be like a like a cylinder. And so you'll optimize that length both in the front and the sides so that you're actually going up towards the sky equally as you're going down towards the ground. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I know it's a little abstract, but no, yeah. when you do that, all of a sudden your head is free mm-hmm. and there's no extrinsic forces on it and you can look whatever direction you want to look and it's pretty stress-free.
0: Right on. So let's kind of recap that aspect of, knowing that sitting is also related a lot to the, to the neck pain is if you are sitting, be conscious of what's your chair doing, try to eliminate the ability to to lean far back. Um, if you have, you know, bifocal glasses, consider just getting reading glasses when you're at your computer or reading or whatever. So you're not like tilting back in order to look down, mm-hmm. um, phone use, try to pull the phone up in front of you instead of keeping it down and just tilting your head down. Um, while driving, be conscious of where your headrest is to, to keep your head in a more neutral position. Mm-hmm. Uh, perfect. So, okay, cool. Last one that you mentioned was was shoulder pain. So, similar approach. Yeah. What are some of the key causes that you're finding that are causing the, the shoulder pain that people are dealing with?
1: So, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, <laughs> right? It comes sitting. back to that. No, it comes yeah. actually back to just the trunk position. Perfect. What position? Because people can stand mm-hmm. and still be slouched. Of course. And so if you're slouched, your shoulder, you can never, Neil made a quote and I keep missing it, but he says people constantly try to stand on their shoulder blades okay, or stand up with their shoulder blades instead of allowing them to rest on the spine. Okay. And so if you are trying to squeeze your shoulder blades together so that you can stand up taller and have better posture, good luck. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. So you're just going to end up with neck pain, shoulder pain and whatnot. And so- The goal, once again, like I said, is to kind of optimize that spine position so that the shoulder blades can rest in a more natural open position so the chest isn't tight. Um, And the chest being tight is probably whatever reason the chest is tight, whether it's because you do have bad posture or maybe you've got scoliosis or maybe you sit all day, whatever reason your chest is tight, oftentimes I find that leads to a lengthening or potentially a weakness in the back muscles. Mm -hmm. Because let's be frank, people do push-ups and they do pull-ups and they do bench press, but when you look at the amount of focus that people put on the front of their body, they don't typically put as much focus on the back of their body. So I'll, like, with people who are working out, and I'm like, well, how many chest exercises do you do? Well, I do incline press and decline press and I do chest press and I do this. How many back exercises do I do? Well, I do lat pull down, okay, not exactly. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I do a row, Okay, and they might do a pull-up. Many don't do pull-ups. Mm-hmm. So they're doing five exercises to strengthen the front of them, leaving the back of them. Glamour little... muscles, baby. I mean, Right, come on. right, exactly. <laughs> and so, or even the small rotator cuff muscles. For sure. So people forget about those because they're not the sexy ones to mm-hmm. exercise. You know, what's a... You know, you don't typically need a heavy weight, so who wants to hold an 8-pound right. weight? It's
0: kind of impressive, Tina, to be it standing with a red band in your hand versus a 50-pound right. dumbbell. I mean, come on.
1: Correct. <laughs> and then I see the other thing where people are doing that is their warm-up, and right. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not going to work our little muscles as part of our warm-up. We'll work them at the end, because you need those little muscles to lift the heavier weights. But, sure. you know, people a lot of times don't know about those rotator cuff muscles, um, and so or the smaller muscles in the back. And so... You know, if you are an exercising individual, it's important to kind of look at the parts that you don't use for your exercise. For example, my my son's in baseball, and he's a pitcher, so he's got to have a lot of these mechanics on his right. I make sure he's doing a lot of similar, different things on the left, mm-hmm. or moving in ways that the pitching doesn't, you know, work him through. Sure. And so I think it's all about balance, finding mm-hmm. the balance in your life, so and in your workouts. So rotator cuff muscles, stretching your chest, just laying on the floor with your arms out. Maybe over your head in the shape of a Y, a T, an I, taking some breaths and really expanding all aspects of your rib cage, both into your upper chest, into your abdomen, just to release all those front tissues so the shoulder has some opportunity to rest a little more naturally on the back.
0: Okay, so are there some things folks could be paying attention to in their day to day that would, uh, like, like, for example with with the neck you gave a very specific example of like pay attention to how you're looking at your phone if you're tilting yeah. down lift your head up. So when it comes to the shoulders what could I be focusing on to like know okay this is a, this is a positive posture or this is a negative posture like you mentioned not squeezing your shoulder blades as a means of Right. But like are there other other things or Baselines that people could try to to get to.
1: Right. So, paying attention to the posture, making sure that you're, you know, I a lot of times will cue to the sternum to make sure that people are kind of keeping their sternum up a little bit. Okay. Also, the other thing I constantly tell people, thumb up. If you're going to reach for something, whether it's overhead, out to the side, out in front of you, keep your thumb up. Okay. A lot of people try to put their hand on top of their coffee cup or on top of their water bottle and pick it up that way. Okay, or they reach into an overhead cabinet and their palm is down and their thumb is down. And that can lead to an impingement position, especially the older that we get in the shoulder that just leads to further shoulder problems. Okay. So one easy thing is if you're reaching overhead or reaching out to the side, is thumb up. The other thing I usually recommend is don't ever reach into the backseat of your car. Okay. A lot of people will put their purse, their briefcase... Um, little things on the passenger back seat of their car and then they go to pick that up and Whip it over the seat to put it into the front seat If you don't have someone in your front seat put your stuff in the front seat if it's in your back seat You don't need it till you get where you're going and then you're able to actually rotate your whole body versus What you need to do at a Mm stoplight, you know That's probably one of the bigger ones is don't put things on that back passenger seat that you might need During travel
0: right on. Awesome So thumb up when you're reaching, whether it's in front, uh, ahead or overhead or to the side, uh, definitely some things for the shoulders. Okay. So let's just say, you know, people are taking action, which is great. We want to be more preventative when it comes to this stuff and pay attention to the way we're moving. Um, Let's say someone, someone is in pain, right? They're having pain. um, They're not sure what to do. What are some more reactive measures you would, you would take aside from just coming to see you because obviously that's an option and that's a great way for someone who's having trouble dealing with whatever they're dealing with they need a professional to help them but let's just say what is one last effort someone could make they're struggling with low back pain shoulder pain neck pain Um, what are some piece of advice you would you would give
1: first of all you know evaluating can you figure out what happened like if you had an injury and you're inflamed and you're swollen you need to respect the healing process Um, a lot of people don't respect the healing process. They'll push through acute injuries and that's not necessarily a great idea. Mm -hmm. Inflammation is there for a reason initially. Um, now if you have inflammation chronically, there can be multiple causes to that. Um, but if you've got inflammation that's coming and going, same thing, multiple problems, usually though it's because of something you did in your postures and how you moved. And so. Evaluating it, you know, maybe you were sitting with your legs crossed too much. That's a big one. I tell people, you know, for back pain, don't cross your legs. Keep your feet flat on the ground. As soon as you cross your legs, it changes the dynamics and how your back has to respond once again to keep your eyes in front of you and Uh how you react to your environment. So uncrossing your legs with back pain um, or neck pain. That's a a big one. Um, Stretching is a big one. Even just laying on the floor with your feet, knees bent, feet flat, and kind of take an inventory. Okay. What touches the floor? What doesn't touch the floor? Um, Abdominal breathing is a big one that we use at Neil King. Um, It calms the nervous system. We have a a non-anomic nervous system that can put us into this fight or flight mode Mm -hmm. and can definitely change how we perceive and how we move. And so just abdominal breathing can be a big one, laying on the floor, taking some just in sitting when you are in that pain to get yourself out of that fear mode Mm -hmm. so then you can move smarter and move better. Um, Like I think we said, laying on the floor, just doing some gentle Mm -hmm. stretching, you know, what touches the floor and what doesn't. When you're laying on the floor, your low back should not necessarily touch the floor initially. After you've done some abdominal breathing, yes, you've got those muscles relaxed. It's a good way to relax. Epsom salts baths, if you've got a bathtub, people are moving away from bathtubs in their homes these days. Mm -hmm. Um, So magnesium, you know, if you can take that, talk to your physicians or whoever you talk to, make sure Sure. it's appropriate with the rest of your daily routines. And then just gentle movement. You know, does it hurt to walk? You know, walking is a big one. If Mm -hmm. just getting back into a walking program to start, let's say you've got low back pain, and and let's say you're going to your exercise, whatever that routine is, and it hurts, like those movements hurt. Not a good hurt, a bad hurt. Probably shouldn't be doing it yet. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the injury or the pain can change how you were doing the movement the day before so if it was an activity that previously was not painful and now it is painful mm-hmm. you need to use mirrors maybe use somebody else and say how does this look because mm-hmm. this feels different than what it used to felt mm-hmm. feel like and listen to that pain there are some pains that we walk through and there's some pains that we walk around and that can be difficult for somebody um, to know but starting with a few of those things is what I usually and if it's there and it's not going away then you need to seek help
0: right on I love it okay so we're gonna wrap up here soon uh, I want to chat but prior to us recording we talked about some of the myths that you uh, you know you hear that you you just you just don't agree with or you think are, are kind of um, you know affecting how people go about their lives and one of the things was you know the myth that pain all pain is bad what's wrong with that statement or that thought
1: so if you believe that all pain is bad, then I guess it defines, it, it, everybody has an individualized definition of pain, what sure. is pain, right? Yeah. So I get, a lot of times I get my, my um, older crowd and I will stretch their hamstring and they say that hurts. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, wait a minute, is it a pain or is it a pull? And they go, oh, oh, it's a pull, it's not a pain. I'm like, right, that's not pain. So mm-hmm. first of all, you have to define what is pain. Sure. And if you say that all pain is bad, then that means that people who have arthritis should never move. Or I, we talked about fibromyalgia, uh-huh. oh, I've got pain, I shouldn't move. That's not necessarily the case. Those uh-huh. are the pains that you get up in the morning and you're, I'm stiff, uh-huh. I'm painful, and once you get moving, you feel better. Uh-huh. Those are the pains that you, you know, you wanna move uh-huh. to get rid of them. Like I would say, you kick the Uncle Arthur, Uncle Arthritis monkey off your back every morning, and uh-huh. unfortunately, if you sit or you sleep, he comes back, uh-huh. right? Because you've got this medical issue, these changes in your joints that, you, those can't just easily be fixed. Uh-huh. Um, And so not all pain is bad. And Mm -hmm. some people say, well, does it matter what I do. I still wake up the next morning and I have pain. I'm like, okay, if you institute a little bit of movement in your life, can you get hours of your day without pain? Yes. Perfect. The other thing I say is don't go looking for pain. You go looking for problems, you're definitely going to find it. (laughs) Like I can say right now, I'm in no pain. However, if I sat here long enough, because I've been sitting the way I've been sitting, my right foot's a little numb. Mm -hmm. Is that a problem? No, I'm just gonna move yeah and it goes away yeah right and so a lot of times I think we have these we go to bed with these thoughts or we end our day I'm at my I'm in pain and then the next morning sleep okay or don't sleep okay and I have pain again in the morning it's almost like
0: making it bigger than it really is. it is what happens in the middle yeah
1: right and so I think it's defining pain what is pain what is good pain what is bad pain and what pain should be walked through and what pain should be you know walked around And like I said, for the individual person, sometimes that's tough and takes somebody to kind of redefine it for you, but usually most of us are smart enough to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Another one we talked about is this idea that, you know, and I think this is more common amongst people who maybe have a a bad exercise experience, but this this notion that, you know, exercise is, is, is bad or it's gonna I'm gonna get hurt if I if I exercise. What what are your overlying thoughts on on that notion or when you hear people say that?
1: um i think that they have not been choosing activities or exercises or movements that work for them Mm -hmm. they're not committed to them and they're not committed to doing them well Mm -hmm. maybe they started too fast if you've been doing nothing and then you go and try and do you know insanity Mm -hmm. it's gonna hurt the next day Mm -hmm. it might be a little crazy Mm -hmm. um and that was just an example of one thing but if you try to go from zero to a hundred It's going to hurt, and it probably wasn't. So sometimes I think people go too fast, they go too hard, or maybe they, you know, pick something they didn't like. Mm -hmm. So patients come into me all the time, and they're like, well, what do you think about, you know, A? And A could be yoga, it could be CrossFit, it could be Pilates. And I say, well, do you like to do that? No, I just heard it's good for me. I'm like, well, then it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. If you don't like to do it, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be committed to doing it well. And if you don't do it well or don't want to do it well, Chances are you're going to phone it in and you are likely going to get hurt, Mm -hmm. right? And so now all of a sudden, Pilates is bad for you because you got hurt doing Mm -hmm. Pilates when, you know, maybe somebody didn't instruct you correctly or maybe... So I don't know that there's anything that's... I'm sure there are things that are bad and people will say, well, I disagree, this is bad. Well, okay, maybe there are, but... Generally, I don't think exercise is bad and it's redefining it. What is exercise?
0: Well, I think that's the key, right? right? Is is there, there is not just one mode of mm-hmm. exercise. There are many, many modes of being active and moving your body through full ranges of motion. And, mm-hmm. you know, a body in motion stays in motion. Like yep. there's more than one way to do it. And I think to your point, you got to find what you enjoy, what you're willing to do regularly as in every day. Right. Um, whether it's the same thing every day or changing it up every, like, but doing something. Um, and then what we talk a lot about is, is what's your intention? You know, like the person who goes to yoga because their doctor told them they should, but they, inside they hate it and they're only doing it to like check the box for the day of, well, I did, I went to yoga. Like that intention is not going to breed long-term sustainable result. But if your intention of exercise, whatever mode it is, is because you're committed to you know, living your best life and you know setting yourself up for success on the road and the laundry list of benefits you get from moving, well, that's a totally, you're gonna approach that totally different than doing it just because someone told you you should.
1: Well, right. and I think it's important too because some people don't like to exercise. I know people that hate to exercise. So you need to find something that you tolerate long enough to see the benefits mm-hmm. and those benefits will get you out every day right. to stimulate your compliance right. so it might be walking i hate exercise mm-hmm. great just start with a 15 minute walk mm-hmm. that's it just mm-hmm. start there and as you start to be like you know you do that after about a month or so you're like oh and i think you notice you're walking farther you do you're little, right. you feel a little better and then you might say maybe i can tolerate 30 minutes yeah and if you can get to 30 minutes Right. And that might be all you do is walk 30 minutes for the rest of your life. But also know that exercise and movement is in addition to your daily life. So if you go to the mall, mm-hmm. that's not exercise. Mm-hmm. Mall shopping, if you go grocery shopping, a lot of people say, well, I went to the mall and walked all over the mall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's not exercise. Mm-hmm. Exercise is you're walking out the door with the specific intent to get more movement mm-hmm. And it's and it's a it's a mindset. It does change the cardiovascular system. There are mm-hmm. certain metabolic things that change when you put the thought in your brain that you are going to exercise. Sure, um, you're not going to walk faster when you're walking through the mall just because.
0: Well, if there's a hot deal, you got to right for sure.
1: It is different, <laughs> and so I think that you know exercise, just like we we're talking about, pain needs to be reframed. Movement it is something. It is an intention. Yeah. You are doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. Whether somebody said you had to do it for your you know health or do it. For because you know you should. The intent is to exercise. Sure. The intent is to move more. Um, and then from there pick something that satisfies that intent. That makes yeah. that you tolerate or makes you eventually will make you happy.
0: Yeah. And for those who don't like exercising, like get creative. Yeah. Find a buddy to do it with. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna go for a walk, throw on a music or a book or a podcast something that at least gets you going right until you can start to you know sometimes people once they start finding and feeling the results from it it they, they develop a, a love right. for it. you know how many stories do you know that person who like hated running and then who knows they started running with a buddy and next thing you know they're like signed up for a marathon for sure. in like a year and it's yep. like sometimes you just gotta like and i instead of like you know, today is the day of the, the six week challenge or the 30 day challenge. Like I almost like to think of think of running more exper- uh, experiments in your life. Run an experiment. Experiment with walking 20 minutes a day for 30 days. Just mm-hmm. do it as an experiment. You're not committing to do it for the rest of your life. You're just doing it as an experiment. Commit to it, find someone to hold you accountable to it, do it with a buddy. And then at the end of the experiment, Assess it. How did it go? Yeah, but make sure
1: you have your next experience lined up. Sure. Before that one ends. Possible, yeah. So a week before that, thirty days. Make sure you have your next one lined up, because otherwise, you take six months off because you're looking for your next experience. So you're right. A lot of times, I say have that lined up.
0: And sometimes, though, you do that experiment, and after the first two weeks or three weeks, you're like, "Man, I actually kind of like this," and I never thought I would. But if you wouldn't have done it, you would have never found that out. So. Um, that's awesome anything you want to any advice any beliefs you have any things that you want to leave the listeners with um, that you think might help inspire them to to live a more pain-free enjoyable active life Um,
1: I think the biggest thing is listen to your body we are the best keepers of our body Mm -hmm. Um, and and bounce those ideas off of multiple different people You know, a lot of times people will say, well, I tried physical therapy, it didn't work for me because they went to one PT. Mm -hmm. You know, second opinions, I am a big fan of second opinions. And if you didn't have a good experience the first time around, you might need to seek other bits of input, which, Mm -hmm. you know, change the way you think about certain things, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think, you know, putting yourself as part of a community if you want to do that, but you know, seeking multiple inputs for information and then know that you are the best keeper of your body. It's your body.
0: It is. Love it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tina, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. This was a pleasure. We'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. And uh, if anyone wants to learn more about you, Neil King, any like, are you on social media anywhere, website, where could people find yep. out more about we you? We are on
1: social media, com. Okay. There we've got the website. We have um, a Facebook page. So we're all over. We're right in downtown Rochester, or just outside of downtown Rochester, awesome. at Barclay and Ro- um, Rochester Road. Yeah. So... Come check us out.
0: All right, girl. Until next time. Thank you for listening. There you have it. Special thank you to Tina for coming on and chatting with me. And thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, as always. And like I said before, please subscribe, share the podcast. I I know you have people in your life who would benefit from listening to some, if not all, of these episodes. So please don't be shy. Share it on your social media um, text it to your friends. Um, I would love and appreciate the support. So until next time, if you have any questions, reach out, you can hit me up on Instagram coach underscore JJJ, or send me an email, Jeremy at CrossFitReviver.com. Thank you much.